with a shot. Greetings! Welcome to Who Kicked the Corner Flag, a Premier League game show podcast recorded from Kansas City, Missouri. I'm your host, James Rose, and this evening I'm joined by the chairman of the KC Spurs fan group, the man whose beard is now eligible to be spray-painted silver in order to become Santa, and the man who needed a stiff drink after the weekend's result. It's Gerard Bustamante. There, bud. I am here, and I still have a headache. Oh, man, still. Man, mine's gone away, but it's... uh. A little bit throbbing. Anyway, uh, in the red corner, he's the chairman of the Arsenal KC fan base, has a slight obsession for Star Wars, could be true, and always delights in a Spurs meltdown. It's Boyce Richardson. You there, bud? I'm feeling glorious right now. (laughs) Different moods each week. Uh, Before we get started, I'm going to (laughs) announce the answer to our Twitter trivia question. Yes, in a brand new segment every weekend, I'm going to post a random football slash soccer related trivia question. This week, the question was, in 2009, the record for most goals scored in one half of a Premier League match was five. By which player? Guys, do you think you know it? Let's see. Go I'm going to guess and say that it was Jermaine Defoe, because why not? You would be absolutely correct, boys. Nice work. Yes, it was. Jermaine Defoe, he scored five goals in the second half of Tottenham Hotspur versus Wigan back in 2009. Who would have thought? The final score in that game, too, was 9-1. Nine, nine <laughs> goals for Spurs, one goal for Wigan. Uh, anyway, good time. So, yep, uh, the answer is Jermaine Defoe. Uh, right, let's move swiftly on, and we'll start back up with our top four segment. Boyce, you are up first. What do you think made the top four this weekend? I'm going to take a random stab in the dark and say that it might have been Manchester City's 4-1 demolition of Spurs. It might have been, and you might be absolutely correct. Yes, that, of course, took the top spot. Man City versus Spurs, the final score being 4-1. City's 16th consecutive win, consecutive win in the Premier League, which I do believe is quite a strong record now. So, boys, the question for you right off the bat, how can Man City be beaten? Not can they, how can they be beaten, if, if at all, this season? You know, I've been asking myself that question for about 18 matches at this point, and I've yet to come up with an answer. I think the reality is you watch that uh, the Manchester derby and you see that Odomendi, I think in most people's minds, and certainly as has been discussed on this podcast, is the weak link in the Manchester City defense, and yet he was the one that scored the goal. Mm-hmm. And in that same match, Sergio Aguero was on the bench. And in this particular match, you know, it looked ostensibly fairly even throughout the first half. But in that second half, that might have been the best team football I've seen in the Premier League in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just don't know what you do. I mean, in the end, I appreciate Spurs. Anything Arsenal can do, we can do better by losing 4-1 instead of 3-1. <laughs> Just I, had to slip that in there, yep. <laughs> seeing Sterling walk that ball into the net at the end. But I honestly don't know. I, I think if today was any indication, I spent today watching Manchester City versus Leicester City, and you watched 
Pep Guardiola in a situation where he had Sadio, or not Sadio Mane, he had Leroy Sané on the bench and an opportunity to be able to sub him in towards the end of the first half. And he elected, or the end of the second half, I'm sorry, and elected not to simply because he didn't have to. Yeah. You know, Leicester City tied that match up in the 97th minute and yet somehow went on to lose in PKs. Even when Pep Guardiola is trying to lose with this team, he still somehow manages to win. Mm-hmm. And if that's any indication, I honestly have no idea how any team beats them this season. It's It really is going to be a tough nut to crack, so to speak. Um, so, uh, Jared, Spurs haven't won against the big six away from home since February 2016 when they beat Man City at the Etihad 2-1. Um, there were slight signs, you know, before this game that they might have that, you know, obviously beating Stoke 5-1. Um, but what were they lacking in this particular game? What was what was the missing the missing ingredient? I never thought I'd say this with the Spurs squad, but it was speed. Okay. What's yeah. terrifying about City is they are so fast everywhere on the ball. I mean, Musa Dembele, who's personally one of my favorite players, uh, just working his tail off and just not able to keep up with that pace in midfield. Mm. Uh, obviously, you start Danny Rose and Ben Davis uh, on that side against Leroy Sané, and it kind of worked uh, whenever Danny Rose was able to hug and drag people down to the ground. Um, I agree with Boyce. I, I think there were some uh, uh, indications of being a level pegging in the first half, uh, but then at the end, City just outran Spurs. Yeah. Uh, a caveat, I know this is off topic a little bit, but I have to say it, this notion that i believe it was lee dixon on the broadcast if anybody that, that listened to this i get it you want to be on the side of a potentially historic run and calling this game to say that you were right back in december mm. but it is absolutely absurd calling for a red card for Dele Alli against kevin de bruyne in a tackle 50 50 which he won the ball mm-hmm. yet no one touches the ball, and Harry King is kicked in the face, yes. and there is no discussion. There is a ambiguous push by Danny Rose that I think happened in, I want to say, the 24th minute, and there were discussions of it in the 60th minute. I was banging my head against the table, already frustrated, and yet I have to listen to everyone wax poetical about, oh, the breaks that city is not getting. Hmm. Get out of town. Yeah. That I can't stand. Yeah, I must say that one of the big talking points from that game was those two incidents. Uh, well, I say th- technically three, but the two that they really were talking about, as you mentioned, uh, one was the Harry Kane uh, studs showing tackle. Uh, and the second, of course, was that Deli Alley so-called stamp. Um, Boyce, what do you think? Let me just flip it back to you real quick. Do you think you know the, the final decisions, yellow cards were fair or should there have been red card decisions? I think I'm pretty hard-pressed to be able to disagree with any of the final decisions in that match. I, I think Lee Dixon frustrates me even as an Arsenal fan, so it's hard to be able to get on his bandwagon <laughs> in the first place. But I think that the narratives behind red cards this weekend were all sort of super negative in a way that I didn't really enjoy. I mean, even in the Arsenal match, there were red cards that could have been called that weren't. And I think in the end, it was probably fair. But in this first City match, I mean... I think we'd all maybe agree that in the end, despite or outside of some super sort of flagrant foul 
that you don't want that game to go down to 10 versus 11. You want that game to stay 11 versus 11 as much as it can. And outside of something that just absolutely merits a red card, it's it's hard to be able to make that call. Right, let's go ahead and move on. Jared, you're up next. We have second, third, and fourth still to guess. So what do you think? I am going to go with um, Huddersfield 4-1 over Watford. Good guess, my man. Yes, that did make the top four as well, and that was in second spot. So you have taken the three points for that one. Um, Watford down to ten men for a third successive game, and Dini, as announced today, is now out for four games based on his uh, his uh, tackle in that game. Um, so, Jared, what was Watford's downfall? Was it down to bad decisions? Um, again, we talk about red cards here. Was it a fair red card? What do you think? Uh, from my recollection, it was just a completely boneheaded challenge from Deeney. Mm. Uh, uh, I and I might need Boyce's help on this. At least uh, just uh, coming in late over on the sideline, uh, just seemed to be born out of frustration. And for the you know uh, absolute leader of that team, mm. um, you can definitely see that the wheels fell off after that. Yeah. Um, especially with the Watford squad that had such a bright start. I mean, uh, they they win that game and they and Everton doesn't pass them and they're sitting in ninth. Uh, so I think um, wheels kind of fell off, especially, and I believe it was at home if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I'm here, Jared, it was indeed at home. And just to interject, um, since I might not get an opportunity to be able to talk about the glorious Troy Dini red card that was completely <laughs> unnecessary after his cojones comment, against Arsenal at the uh, what was ostensibly the beginning of the season, I felt no sympathy for him whatsoever. I was actually sitting at a table, and somebody next to me yelled that uh, Watford got a red card. And I was just sort of like, was it Troy Genie? And they said yes. <laughs> and then I took much glory during halftime watching him just run over somebody. It was insane. Yeah. It was the best thing in the entire world. Yeah. So, you know, taking a... a- Taking defeat from the jaws of victory. I mean, Watford have proven they can get results uh, uh, home and away. Uh, so mm-hmm. just kind of a boneheaded move. And uh, hats off to Huddersfield for Terra uh, taking advantage. Mm-hmm. Huddersfield finally scored away from home since the 12th of August, believe it or not, against Palace. And they got four goals, not just one, two, or three. Uh, so, Boyce, was there any method to Huddersfield's game plan going into this? Do you think they, they, they found a, a rhythm here? Or do you think it was just down to Watford's kind of demise in that game well i mean you can't take anything away from huddersfield and the fact that they scored two goals before Deeney's red card so you know and, and as much as they've struggled away this particular season I, I think that so have many of the other top clubs in the epl i think that tottenham only got a point at wofford arsenal got zero points at wofford so huddersfield what you know they had a 2-0 lead before the red card and then they went on to win 4-1 so you know, you really have to look at that as a positive victory for them, given the relative locations in the table and the results that Watford's been able to achieve this season. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it really looked for the first 30 minutes of that match like Huddersfield might win 4-1 even without the red card. And then they got a red card themselves and they still scored another goal. So <laughs> yep. yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, Huddersfield obviously had a good day, although, like you said, getting a red card themselves. But yeah, we'll see. See how they uh, see how they progress. Uh, right, boys, we are back to you. We have two spots left, third and fourth. What do you think? So this is the point where I always struggle in every podcast to be able to come up with what the actual result might be. I'm going to say that 
West Ham United's 3-0 victory over Stoke City was on the list. You are correct, sir. Yes, and that was third spot. So you get the two points there. Nice work. Yes, Stoke versus West Ham. Final score was 0-3. Stoke have now lost five of their last six. And I even missed this from last week, but apparently the fans confronted or tried to confront the players last week outside Wembley Stadium after the Spurs game. Um, what do we think, boys? Is, is Mark Hughes in trouble here? Or do you think he's got some... Some time left to try and get him, uh, get him firing again. I'm going to be honest here. As somebody that hated the Tony Pulis Spurs and doesn't really have much more additional love for the Mark Hughes Spurs, I would love for him to stick around for the rest of the season and see them relegated. You mean Stoke, right? I, yes. <laughs> just, just I checking. Think, <laughs> sorry, it's been uh, it's been a beautiful season. Although, of course. One of the only teams that Stoke has managed to get three points against this entire season is Arsenal, which just seems. <laughs> It's completely appropriate for how Arsenal seasons generally go. Uh, it, it just it appears to me that Stokes' back line doesn't work. Stokes' front line doesn't work. They have no midfield, and they managed to lose 3-0 to a West Ham team that admittedly I think is on a streak where they've they played City pretty well. They beat Chelsea. They drew Arsenal. You know, and then today they lost Arsenal, but only 1-0, and that was in a game where they played half of their lineup. So I, I think... David Moyes has them playing significantly better than they were at the beginning of the year. But for Stoke to lose at home 3-0 to a West Ham team that at this point now has 17 points, it's just ridiculous. I'm not sure that he survives Mm. past the festive period of the season and probably doesn't deserve to. But I certainly hope that he sticks around to watch them get relegated. (laughs) A cruel cruel, uh, task. But... uh... Uh, Speaking of West Ham, uh, they're now unbeaten in three since David Moyes took charge. So, Jared, have West Ham found a saviour in David Moyes? Or are we looking at a little bit of luck here? What do we think? Uh, Well, I think the Chosen One is going to have to wait till after Christmas to kind of uh, uh, get an answer to that. Uh, (laughs) What they're still looking at is uh, they have the second worst goal differential uh, in the league. Mm. And I think the only reason they pull it out is because they played the team that well, after that game, now has the worst goal differential. Uh, so, uh, you know, Echo Voice, you, you played a Stoke City squad that it, the back line seems to be a collection of barrels. Uh, and I think West Ham are going to have to get some, uh, uh, you know, getting results away from home. Obviously, that's key, and they were able to do that. But uh, I think we're going to need to see a little more outside of 17 spots. Stoke, who's, uh, if they don't fix that goal difference, they are, uh, they are in trouble. <laughs> Uh, right, it is the final one to guess, Jared. We're back to you. Uh, what made the fourth spot this week? Oh, let's see. I'm going to go with Liverpool's 4-0 drubbing of Bournemouth. Oh, that would be incorrect. That didn't surprisingly make the list. So, boys, we swing oh. back to you. What do you think? Just because I want to talk about Arsenal, I'm assuming that uh, Mesut Ozil's world-beater, world-class goal somehow got them into the top four. That didn't make it either, although I did see that replay and thought that was quite something. But no, that uh, that also didn't make it. Uh, I'll give each of you one more shot. So, Jared, we'll swing back to you. One more chance. What do you think? 
I just want to say, uh, echoing from last week, again, Arsenal saved by an amazing individual effort and not deserving to win. Um, I'm going to go with Christian Benteke right in the ship a little bit. Palace 3-0 over Leicester. That was the one. Yep, that got the fourth spot. Leicester City versus Crystal Palace. The final score being 3-0 to Palace. Uh, Since this game, Palace had taken 90 shots over 10 games in an attempt to score away from home. And finally... Mr. Benteke, also in a scoring drought, delivers the goods. Um, so let's talk about Palace. Do you think they can survive the drop? Are they out of the woods, Jared? What do we think? Uh, I mean, with that win, they vault up to 14, uh, you know, 17 points with West Ham, two goals in hand. Uh, who knows? I mean, at this point, it seems to be kind of a race to the bottom. Uh, the only difference between 20 uh, and 10. I mean, you only have 10 points uh, with 18 played. Too soon to tell. I mean, they're going to need to do more of this. They're going to need to score. They're going to need to, you know, miss fewer penalties mm. uh, and uh, and continue to win away from home. Uh, if they're going to justify uh, some of these plans that I've seen for a brand new uh, stadium for the Eagles. Uh, so mm. I We'll see. I think it is far too soon to tell, uh, just as it's too soon to tell for David Moyes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, interesting. Um, Leicester City, on the other hand, uh, had won their last four and it just seemed to su- hit a surprising roadblock. So, Boyce, was it just a bad day at the office for them or any cause for concern for them? What do we think? Well, I think if we'd been discussing this match a little bit earlier in the week, that I might have just told you that it was a blip in the road. And certainly a loss to City in the Carabao Cup can't be depicted as some sort of terrible team-deteriorating loss. But when Pep Guardiola is substituting no one and Leicester City is substituting in Gray, Vardy, and Mares, and you somehow still manage to lose when it's tied after 90 minutes at home, I think that Leicester might be reverting back to their old form. I mean, certainly enough, like a, a loss at home to a Crystal Palace team that somehow, you know, their their major victory for the year had been against Chelsea, which is certainly more impressive than even Leicester City. But given the role that Leicester City was on, it was shocking to see them lose and certainly even more shocking to see them lose in this particular manner. I, I think there are components of this team obviously in the core that that still lend them to the top half of the table and certainly certainly some damage i mean even now with that loss to crystal palace they are five points off of tottenham and seven points off of arsenal 18 matches into the season i don't think that given their run of form a little bit earlier on in the campaign that you would have ever expected that and no they're obviously not going to win the league but neither are any of the other 19 teams that aren't manchester city right so I think they are certainly not going to be relegated. Um, they're going to be in the discussion for the the top half, and perhaps if they overcome this latest blip, you know, potentially they could enter into the top seven and have some discussion there as well. I think it's unlikely, just because I, I don't think that that Vares or that Mares, sorry, Mares. <laughs> That's Marty, a wicked hybrid right there, <laughs> the Vares. I think I think that works. Uh, I don't think that. that. Marty and Mares are in a position where they are going to somehow reclaim their form from two years ago mm. and put Leicester back in that position. But I think that they're still offensively talented enough to be able to do some teams some damage and will probably maintain the current spot that they're in for the rest mm. of the camp. Yeah, we... I take it back. I like Marty. <laughs> Marty? <laughs> I I don't think that that works quite as well. I think Varez works. With, the V just gives it a little bit more structure. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hashtag it for sure. We'll, uh, we'll be trending anytime soon. Uh, right. Uh, let's move on. We're going to play another round of Who Said That? The game where each contestant has to guess which manager spoke the words from a post-match conference. Uh, this week, each person is going to get their own quote, so there's no shouting out in this round. Uh, you're each going to get two. Uh, Boyce, we're going to start with you. So here is your quote. I think I'm capable of doing that job at any club in the world, so I'm sure I can do it here. I'll give you that quote again. I think I'm capable of doing that job at any club in the world, so I'm sure I can do it here. What do you think? So I think that's David Moyes. And before you even respond whether or not that's correct, if it is indeed David Moyes, I love that he can do that job anywhere except where he's previously done that job. (laughs) You would be correct. Yes, it is David Moyes. That is also a fair statement. Why on earth he said that? I don't know, but he did. Um, Kudos to him, maybe, maybe not. Anyway, uh, Jared, this next one's for you. Things are conspiring against us, and we need help from referees to get things right. I'll give you that again. Things are conspiring against us, and we need help from referees to get things right. What do you think? That sounds like a Jose Mourinho quote. Jose Mourinho is incorrect. Boys, we can swing it back to you for the bonus point. You thought it was Jose too, admit it. I did actually think it was Jose Mourinho, so I'm having a struggle right now because I don't really know who. uh, Marco Silva. That is also incorrect. The correct answer is Mark Hughes of Stoke City. Of course he would blame the referees. Oh my god. He'll be sacked tomorrow. No, we'll see. Um, Boyce, we're back. <laughs> uh, Boyce, we're back to you with this next one. Um, they have good quality, but we played really good to beat one of the strongest teams in the league. There it is. What do we think? Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola is correct. That gives you the two points. Pep Guardiola indeed said that about Tottenham uh, over the weekend game. Uh, Jared, this last one is for you. The necessity to win was playing on the mind of the players towards the end. The necessity to win was playing on the mind of the players towards the end. I am going to go with... Oh, God. Uh, Conte? Conte is incorrect. Boyce, (sighs) bonus point. Can you get it? This is Arsene Wenger. (laughs) Absolutely nailed it. It is. It is Arsene (laughs) Wenger. (laughs) Absolutely correct. You are a true Arsenal fan for picking that one out. Yes, he was. Commit it all to memory? Goodness gracious. (laughs) No, I mean, you don't need to commit those sort of things to memory with Arsene Wenger. That is, whenever Arsenal goes up 1-0, that's a quote that comes out at the end if they manage to pull it out. (laughs) I'm impressed, but yes, you are correct. Uh, Right, let's swiftly move on to our final section. Uh, We're going to play another round of Player Profile. This is where I list five stats of a current Premier League player. Each one easier than the last. The first person to shout in their name will get the two points. You only get one guess, though, so an incorrect guess will freeze you out. Um, Five on this one. Here we go with number one. This first one is an English player. Only 21 years old. He once played for the MK Dons. Jared. Yes, Jared. Deli Alley. Deli Alley is absolutely correct. Yes, he now plays for Spurs and has the same last name as a famous boxer. That might have guessed it. Who knows? Um, Right, number two is a goalkeeper. A Belgian international. Jared. Oh, yes, Jared, once again. Thibaut Courtois. 
That is incorrect. Oh, that freezes you out. Voice, it's over to you. Uh, used to play for Sunderland and now plays for Liverpool. And his first name is Simon. <laughs> I believe that would be Simon Minuleg. That would be correct. Yes, that gives you the steal point. Nice work on that. And here's number three. Plays for Chelsea. Spent time at Real Madrid. Is a striker. Playing his first season at his Premier League club. Boyce. Oh, yes, boys. Uh, Alvaro Morata. Alvaro Morata is absolutely correct. Yes, that gives you the two points. Oh, it's a close contest. We have two left, two left, and here it is. Uh, an English player is a midfielder. Plays for Southampton. Has two words in his last name. His first name is James. This is a tricky one, actually. But there is a Southampton player. All of those. Southampton. Southampton player. English player. Midfielder. Plays for Southampton. Has two words. Boy. In... Oh, yes, boys. I have no idea what the answer to this question is, and I really just want to say James Vanderbeek. <laughs> That's three words. <laughs> uh, that is incorrect. Uh, Jared, do you have any idea? James. 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 Bond Jr. No, that's not right. I don't even know he exists. Uh, the correct answer is James Ward-Prowse. James Ward-Prowse. He's oh, in yes. there somewhere in that uh... Southampton mix. Somewhere. Anyway, uh, here's the last one. Also a tricky one, but see if we can get it. Um, this last one is a defender. A Dutch international currently plays for Crystal Palace, used to play for Sunderland. His last name has Van in it. Uh, Jared. Oh, yes, Jared. Van Dyke. It is incorrect. Boyce, any idea? But... Uh, Hurry, Boyce, Google that roster. <laughs> ben... <laughs> uh, Van Dyke. Yeah, no, Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. That's not. Uh, Patrick Van Alholt is the correct answer on that ah. one. Another tricky one. But that is the game, folks. And the final scores with an exciting score of 14 is Boyce. And Jared got seven points. So Boyce takes the win this week. Boyce, you're back in the world. I feel so good. There I feel so glorious. <laughs> From the ashes. The takes a series score now to four Jared, two Boyce. Uh, but that's all we have time for today. So big thanks to Jared Bustamente and Boyce Richardson and to Skype for being our technical providers. Be sure to check out our brand new website, whokickthecornerflag.wordpress.com and, of course, our Twitter page, at kickcornerflag for football analysis, analysis excuse me, and punditry. Uh, any final words, Boyce? It was beautiful to see Arsenal somehow win 1-0 today and lose two players. Just felt perfect. Just felt perfect. And Jared? I'll go back to drinking. Go back to drinking. <laughs> Sounds good. We should all do that. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Until next time, take it easy. Bye-bye.